What's up, everybody? Welcome to Life in Commune. I'm Patrick. And I'm Carling. And we are here to talk about the first week of Mobility March in Commune Online. So if you are new, make sure to go check out Commune Online. We have a special promotion going on right now. Your first six months of the platform for only $20 a month. So you can hop in, you can check out Mobility March, get into some of these classes that we're about to talk about. I know throughout the course of this podcast, we're probably going to sell you on how good they are for your body, your being, and your overall practice. So, uh, you know, stay tuned in for the ride. And maybe by the end, you want to jump on and take a class. And we have a lot of classes. We do. We have a lot of classes. And today, we're going to talk specifically about the classes that showed up in the first week of Mobility March. So if you missed the memo, this month, we have a very specific theme and program. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do all of the a lot of classes that we have, because there's many. But it does mean that if you are going to hop on the train, we have programmed the entire month for you in a way that will both introduce you to a kind of mobility hybrid place with lots of multidisciplinary approaches to it throughout the month. And if you're already a mobility uh, guru enthusiast, then you're going to find a lot of stimulation and practices to support everything else that you do. And if you want to take advantage of the promotion I just spoke about, you want to use the code Mobility Matters, all capitalized letters, uh, on the checkout page. So that would give you six months at $20 a month uh, if you want to join the platform. Didn't say that before the promo code, which was what you would need. <laughs> We're like, join, to... but we won't tell you how. <laughs> yeah. This is gatekeeping at its finest. We aren't going to tell you how. If you can't figure it out, then maybe we're not for you. I'm just kidding. Uh, you'll need the code. Yeah, it's Mobility Matters. Sometimes I wonder if that hurts you to put it in all caps. Yeah, well, here we are. As a man who loves to type in all lowercase. Listen, you know, we can just do what we can do. <laughs> all right, so uh, the first four classes of Mobility March are from, two from me and two from Carling. And uh, you probably kicked it off with Carling's first class, which had a lot of balance work in it. Carling, why is balance such an important part of mobility? And why are we doing it first? Well, because uh, if we don't address balance and our proprioception, which proprioception, if you're unfamiliar, is that, um, how do I say this, this ability to know what your body is doing even when you can't see it, okay? So I think of it as like a little bit of your spidey senses, that even if your hand is behind you, you know you have a hand. You know it's behind you. And if you're wiggling your fingers, you know how they're wiggling, even if you can't see it, right? So proprioception lives in your brain, but it communicates with the fibers and the tendons and the tissues so that everything is like, yeah, man, we're doing the thing. It's back here. And we have a sense of what's going on, even if we can't see it with our eyes, right? Because our eyes are kind of like the first line of defense on everything. But we need to be able to connect the dots, even when that's not there. So for me, mobility is so much more than just expanding your range of motion, although I know for many people that's like something they really, really want or are interested in. But expanding your range of motion is only useful if we can use it. And I think that balance and proprioception are like the undercurrent that need to exist along everything else that we do. And so that's why I like to start there. I think it's a huge part of mobility. It's just this ability to like, how do I move? Where do I move? What does it mean to be here and there? And gaining confidence in our bodies, natural awareness. I think in yoga, we love to talk about body awareness and listening to your body, but it's so easy to forget that most people don't have that skill innately, or maybe they've lost it along the way. So this first class is a lot about just coming back to your body, figuring out how to exist and like maybe finding that bubble and then we're going to expand out of the bubble and then expand the bubble a little more and a little more and figure out how to balance and like 
reach the edges. Another thing to just add on top of that is a simple test you can do. Test your passive range of motion. Do the splits. You know, just, do, just, just do it. And then stand up and then try to lift your leg up as high as you can, touching nothing. So you're just standing on one foot, lift your leg up, and then put your hand on a wall or on a chair and then lift your leg up. And you'll notice three completely different ranges of motion. Mm -hmm. And that can help you describe or explain the feeling or the sensation of balance. Like balance changes everything and balance is fleeting mm -hmm. in your personal life, <laughs> in your practice life. Literally, in all, figuratively. In, in, in all elements <laughs> of your being, balance is fleeting. And balance is the return to center. And we're all constantly trying to be in balance. But the beautiful thing about being in balance is eventually you'll be out of balance because that's the nature of living your life, right? You'll really find something you love and then you'll go too far and then you'll return back and then you'll pursue and then you'll return. And you know, it's always this ebb and flow, this up and down. But by playing with balance, you get to explore the ability to lose your balance and also to test the ranges of your balance, right? So you are so much more flexible when you are in balance. Right? So the more points of contact you have with the floor, the more stable spaces that you're in, the deeper your range of motion will be. The more or the more you up the ante on the balance challenge, the less range of motion you will be. Like for the example I just gave a moment ago, not only just trying to stand on one foot and lift a leg, try to stand on one toe <laughs> and lift the other leg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's like not going to be the, the same the, as the, your the leg. The leg is not going to go very high because it's only going to be used as a counterbalance, mm -hmm. right? So these are I all think big of pieces. Balance as this like barrier to entry that mm -hmm. we have to consider, and that almost like nothing else matters if the balance is off. You know what I mean? That. It, like you said, it doesn't matter how flexible you are if you're off balance, off kilter, if you don't have a sense of how to utilize that flexibility or what feels safe and when it feels safe to utilize that flexibility, then your body's not going to let you, right? Balance and proprioception are much more about the neurology and then how that affects our ability to use the biology and all of that. So we need to kind of figure out how we exist on all parts of the spectrum because that's how life's going to be. That's how awesome it's going to be in movement is there's going to be times when things are really in balance and you might have access to a lot of movement and a lot of range of motion in your body. And there's going to be other times when you're trying to do the same thing, but your balance is wonky or you're not like in your body in that way and have the brain body connection. And therefore that range of motion is not usable because your brain and your nervous system doesn't trust it. A lot of mobility and range of motion has more to do with the trust up here. And I know that sounds so woo-woo, but I promise, especially in this month of mobility, it's not woo-woo, it's neuroscience, that your nervous system needs that stretch tolerance. It needs that almost exposure therapy to trust what you're asking it to do. So that's why in this first class, I want to help us build that resiliency and trust in our nervous system so that as we explore further on, you can kind of come back to that as your baseline, your undercurrent of knowing what does it take to get me to that place? And then I can explore from there. But you always need to be able to like bring your nervous system back and say, it's okay. We're safe here. I trust this. I have a stretch tolerance. I know this is going to be okay. And then your body is going to unlock more and more and more when those things are in alignment and in balance. But uh, when you're in a state of like dysregulation and things feel wobbly and you're on one toe, your body's not going to let you do all the other stuff. Cause it's like, uh, we have bigger fish to fry right now. You're standing on one toe. Like yeah. we don't care where your other foot goes. We're not worried about that. And so that is that component of mobility that is 
maybe not what you think it's going to be, but it's really important. So what is something that students should focus on in this type of practice? This type of practice, I actually want you to be really playful. I want it to be one of those practices where you kind of test your limits and maybe there's a moment of frustration and then there's a moment of giggle and laughter and then there's a moment of like, oh, that's the thing. And just like the balance, it's going to be fleeting. And my hope is that it's a bit of everything in this type of practice so that it's not necessarily grinded out hard work, but it is exploratory work. And you'll notice when you lose focus, how does that impact things? When you look over here, how does that impact things? When your mind wanders, when your like, brain is in next week or in 10 years ago, how does that impact things? Because it's all a series of systems. And when we are working together towards a focused effort, our body and our brain reacts a different way than when we are in that like wider zoomed out lens and looking at the peripheral, then our body and our brain react differently. So that's my hope is that like, you get glimpses into like the different ways this can exist or the different ways it can go that you wanted it to go or you don't and let that be a fun, playful, maybe wobbly learning experience. So what you're essentially saying is give yourself the freedom to fall here and there. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's, just try to catch yourself on the way down. Yeah. Catch yourself. But also this is one of those things that I actually think is easier to do as a solo practice at home online learning because you get to strip away some of that self-consciousness that comes in oh, a group class. Oh, that, completely. That, that uh, personal public pressure, right? Yeah, of like, don't fall. Yeah, don't be the one. <laughs> don't be the one. And so this is a great way to be playful with it and explore and just see. And also a great class to revisit. You know when you feel yourself getting too serious? Oh, 100%. In, in your practice, in your movement, and it often makes things worse. And you're like, just do it. And it's like the opposite is happening. This kind of practice, I think, is a good reset. Like, okay, we've gone too far. We're going to recalibrate. We're going to find a way to come back to be lighthearted, but still in the universe we're trying to be in. And so... Be in the balance of effort and joy. Yeah, effort and joy. Make the hard work fun. Yeah. That otherwise, you know, you get so serious, you get so single-pointed focused that sometimes we, we just... Uh, we actually do more harm to ourselves than good or we kind of you know uh sabotage ourselves in this way because we become the saboteur <laughs> with because we're not open up to the bigger picture so i want this to also be a fun repeatable practice that is useful to you no matter where you are in your journey first day millionth day yeah and i think one of the things with balance that's nice is so often in the practice it's easy to think about balance as being something on the hands yes. especially in our practice right mm -hmm. because um you kind of do some subconscious uh, single leg balancing every day of your life, you know. Uh, but in the yoga practice, we obviously, especially in the way we do it, we flip the script a bit. You're going to be on your hands, whether it's handstands, arm balances, things of that nature. So, you know, that, that's such a different way to live, a different way to organize yourself and organize your time. This brings the focus back to balancing on the feet, mm -hmm. to uh, understanding how you use your body as leverage over that single point of focus and move and shift and, and bring mobility into the body in that kind of way. And this is, I mean, same, same, but different to your class too. When we start to get into the world of mobility and handstands yes. and hand balance, like this week, this beginning, you have balance on uh, both ends of the spectrum uh, in Patrick's handstand class. It's as like, well. it's like we planned it that That's way. That's <laughs> No way. <laughs> it's like we did some structured, or we're releasing some structured content, and the first thing is balance on the feet, and the next thing is balance on the hands, or the potential of it. So um, in my 
first class of the week, which if you haven't taken is a handstand class. But again, remember in all the handstand classes that come out this month, it is way less about tricky transitions or anything of that nature and way more about you a feeling balance and b applying the specific mobility tactic to that balance so in this session we focus on applying middle splits or improving your middle splits and then taking that up into handstand or finding an improved straddle position and taking that up to handstand so in this work we get the pleasure of a you know, a nice dosage of horse dance or goddess pose. Just what you wanted. Just what you wanted, just what you asked for. Um, Some leg lifts and then applying that to balancing on your hands. And one of the reasons that this is so important is if you can get comfortable in a straddle shape upside down, you have a lower center of gravity with your feet as two pendulums to the right and to the left to help you counter balance. So often students have a fear of handstand because they have a fear of falling over, right? Which is very common, very normal. And if you have that fear, like congratulations, you're like the rest of us in the beginning of the process. Self-preservation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You don't want to fall on your head. What, what a novel concept, right? (laughs) Obviously it's super normal. Like remove your self-conscious nature of that fear. It's obviously very okay to have that fear, but please know everybody or like 99.99999% of people had that fear when they began their journey of being on the hands. One of the ways to eliminate that fear or to build some confidence in being upside down is to lower your center of gravity with a connection to what you're actually doing with the legs, right? So uh, another way you could do that if you have a lot of flexibility front to back in the body or with hips in flexion and extension is handstand splits, which is where you got comfortable on your handstand. Absolutely. That was my safe place. Yeah. Uh, So what did having those two reach points front to back help you do? I mean, I honestly think of it a lot like someone who's walking on a high wire or yeah. a slack line. You know, that guy that went between the twin towers and he has the the super long rod yeah. to help balance on either side. And that's kind of how I think about a straddle or a splits is that now you have the ability to toggle not just a push or hips and low back, but you can kind of reach and back and you can gas pedal and you can brake pedal. And that gives you so many more modes of control. It's like having a joystick instead of just the four directions, right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you have all these options that make a huge difference with balance because balance is, like we've been talking about all all of the podcast today, it is fleeting, and so you will need to course correct Mm -hmm. regularly. 100%. And that's part of the process. That is not a problem. Like being able to course correct is what helps you stay afloat. That's the skill. That's the Mm -hmm. thing, what you're learning with balance. And that's why some days you're like, man, I am (laughs) overcorrecting. And other days you're like, God, I'm not reacting to get to the right place. The goal is never to get to like a static place. That's why I think that through the lens of yoga, it's such a misnomer in the way that we're like, find stillness. Because stillness doesn't exist in that way. We're just constantly a series of redirections and corrections and choices and shifts and handstands and balance are such the example of that yeah that's actually one of my favorite um little sayings in an old eric schiffman yoga book is that uh stillness is the true act of shifting because it's there's no 
you're constantly cycling through even in that space of stillness, Mm -hmm. which I thought was beautiful. And again, that's very much a paraphrase. Read his book. It's a nice book. Um, Especially the beginning, which is very theoretical. Um, There's obviously lots of nice stuff in the back of the book too. But But you could listen to Eric Schiffman's brain wander for a long time. There's a lot of good stuff. That's how I, I think about it is it's like balances this like, it's this weird journey of seeking stillness but at the same time acknowledging that like once you get there gotta go somewhere else mm-hmm. so once you get here gotta go somewhere else and you can't ever yeah. get too comfortable and I think it's a little bit of the lie that we sell ourselves with this idea that we must be still and find mm-hmm. stillness or a level of constant contentment yeah when really in a, in a practice like a balance practice you're not tr- you're trying to get content within the disruption within the discontent like you're saying it's fine I'll go this way. I'm with the wind. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a little wheatgrass. Like, yeah. you're saying, I'm okay in this way. And I think that is actually the task of balance on your hands or on your feet, as opposed to saying, where is my perfect static place? I shall cement myself here. As soon as you become a statue, you're fucked. Yeah. You're locked. Yeah, you're locked. Because you're yeah. going to topple over and you're going to break. You're rigid. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be rigid. We want that ability to, you know, move be with fluid. the tides. Yeah. Yeah, to find that light and flowy nature. Mm-hmm. And so, again, in this class, by really working through some of these more flexibility and mobility-focused um, movement patterns, if you will, you're going to, A, increase the range of motion for your middle splits in the short term, and if you were to practice this over time, in the long term. And then by taking that and going into the handstand with activation because it's not just a bunch of passive stretching right because if we just did a bunch of passive stretching you try to go upside down and you're a little floppy woppy (laughs) right so we want to try to instead understand how to go upside down and then activate the glutes to help us stabilize that space right and having the feet as low as they can be for you and as wide as they can be for you is going to a lower that center of gravity but also b help you work on um, abduction of the feet, bringing them as far away from each other as possible, so they're moving away from the midline to help you create stability and activating the glutes in that space, which does come a bit more naturally, right? Like, if you are really focused on your handstand journey, you have to have a lot of core activation to create glute activation in a straight line position because you need something to counter against, um, or at least that's what I've found in my experience with it. Um, but when your legs are in external rotation and they're moving away from one another, creating that glute activation is much, much easier easier. Do you want to hit any science on that? Well, I mean, realistically, when it comes to handstands and all of those, you know, positions that require a mix of stability and mobility, right? Because sometimes we think I need more flexibility or I need more strength. And most often we need a combination of both. Both, We need a symbiotic relationship. So do you need enough flexibility to get up there and be upside down and like be in the shapes and then the interstitial places? Yes. Do you need enough stability to hold yourself there and like stand your ground? Yes. But too much of one or the other, we break that Goldilocks rule of the sweet spot and suddenly we're having to compensate in big ways to make up for that. And when we think about in a straight line handstand in particular, the need to use the glutes to help get the pelvis into a neutral position and to help stabilize from the low back to that deeper core is really important because it's not a like crunch gerb position, but it's a really like front body to back body, back body to front body coming together. And that means that we need a balance to almost sandwich in the middle, right? It's much more of a sensation of coming together than it is necessarily like 
flexing in any of these. And in a straddle, like functionally, glutes help with external rotation. Specific fibers and portions of the glutes are going to help with that. Same with abduction. You can feel it in, ironically, goddess and horse stance <laughs> and all of your middle splits work. So that's we'll find, going to Yeah, we help. find that on the feet and then try to take that It's going to help down. you figure out how to turn that on there in a small, a smaller, like a bigger shape right to left, but smaller top to bottom, which is going to provide you that like safer landing point of being like, well, my legs are halfway. So if I need to come down, yeah. As opposed to when we're right. all the way up and we are like, I squeeze my glutes. Oh, that was too much. And yeah. you need to come down. It's a way further distance. So you can figure out that balance of flexibility and stability in a place that I think mentally is more approachable and feels safer. Yeah, which is a huge win. Pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, in the, the second class that I released, or the third class of the month, we are taking some of this mobility work and applying it to a vinyasa flow style practice. So um, we're going to work through some hip cars from a quadruped position or your hands and knees, the space where you would normally warm up for cat-cow. And we're doing a lot of this work to help us understand what it's like to properly warm up the hips before entering some of these classical poses that you would maybe see in almost any vinyasa style practice as well as um, awakening yoga style vinyasa practices right where we're doing our awakening a's we're entering some of these shapes like if you warm up the hips you're going to create more depth in those positions and not just depth in terms of like you're going to a lower space but depth in terms of like you can be lower more engaged more agile more active in that space and then that's going to only help you with every piece of the puzzle like i can't stress this enough for me in my own practice when i am working the active squats. So when my hips are properly warmed up so I can sit to a good depth in the active squats, my jump backs through the vinyasa feel so light, right? And they feel light because my body is working together in that space. It's not just all upper body and core, right? It's like, oh, the legs got involved in that equation and then all of a sudden everything begins to feel better and smoother and just more connected overall. Uh, for you and your practice, Carling, what type of things really help you connect the upper body and the lower body? Because sometimes they really do work as two independent parts. So what types of things really help you kind of be like, oh, this is a little piece for me that helps put those two together? For me, I think I like to kind of tie into those more classical categories of movements yeah. where it's like, this is a squat shape, this is a hinge shape. Mm -hmm. And in a hinge shape, you know, like a forward fold, perhaps if we're hinging at the hips, I think we get this real tangible sense of like a break at the hips and we're like, this is upper body, this is lower body. And so I think that those kinds of shapes can help you get a sense of what's going where and how to leverage yourself and how to use the strength on one side to balance the length on the other side. But I think that sometimes that can, uh, if we don't also right the ship, lead us to this fairy tale that like, this is lower body and this is upper body. When realistically... It always makes me think of a Lego character. Yes. <laughs> you just pop them in half and you're yeah. like, here we are. It's yeah. leg day. Here yeah. we are. It's upper body day. And here we are. It's meditation and mind day when you yeah. pop your head off. Put the head back on, right? <laughs> yeah. Spin it around. That's so true. I think we get this illusion that because we have hinges mm -hmm. like that or these segments or we try to compartmentalize, that while it's a really effective tool to get a sense of where you're moving and what's important, it it also leads you to this place where we kind of forget that like no matter what, 
the hips are actually the like center of the universe and they're this bridge Truly. between and so they have the capability to show you you know both sides of the coin but realistically we need to be able to function both in those like pretend halves and also in the whole of coming back together and a lot of people tend to be dominant in one type of movement or the other, whether it's like hip flexion or they're going to lead with the spine, they're going to take the movement here, everything's going to go head forward. Like we tend to make those breaks happen at different joints. And the big part of reintegrating for me is being able to, yes, segment and then also reconnect. So popping the Lego character back together is just as important as pulling it apart and being like, this is how a shoulder works. It's like, okay, but how does a shoulder work in concert with the hips? Yeah. What does my shoulder do when I ask my hips to do this? Like a jump back, right? My hips are in a squat and I am in a version of a hinge, especially in that prep before, like in our awakening A, before we jump back, you're in a squat with the legs. So you're coupling hips, knees, ankles, but then you're also folding. So you need a version of squat and hinge then you place your hands and you're like, oh, now I need shoulders. Oh, okay. Oh, now I need a little propulsion. I got to jump. Mm, yeah. These things are all like, you can compartmentalize them and work piece by piece. But ultimately, how you put the pieces back together is where the yoga asana practice or a larger movement practice or whatever other discipline thing that you love to do, that's where mobility shines is how you can put it back together again. That's like the really cool part when all of a sudden you realize, okay, like, Squat, hinge, plant, act, and you can do it all together. That's, yeah. I think, the really fun part. I agree. When all the pieces come together, it really shows the power of mobility and how it applies to your vinyasa practice. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you've taken this class, you know, let us know maybe how those pieces came together for you. And if you haven't taken the class yet, you know, as you go through the process, start to consider some of these things. Mm -hmm. Start to be like, oh, wow, like this little warm up really made a massive difference for me when it came to the Awakening A's, when it came to the Warrior Series, when it came to going into Skandasana. Like, if you notice those things for you, then you're like, okay, I can add that in before I do any practice, right? And, and that's so much of what this month is about, mm -hmm. right? It's about finding these little pieces for you in your physicality right now and then finding things that help you enhance your practice through these uh, micro efforts, simple warm-ups, or these big efforts, you know, holding active squat, working towards middle squats. Like all this, all these little pieces play off of one another if you're, if you're able to recognize how they support you and your body and you towards the things that you're excited about uh, working on physically. I also think that, one of the cool things about this class in particular is this, the way that you integrate hip cars in yeah. both a quadruped and a, like a hovering bear crawl, which, you know, if you've done the class, you know, it's not easy. It's okay. Right? It cooks. <laughs> so it is it not easy. Okay. So those are those moments of like purposeful warm up that is focused and somewhat contained and requires you to address the tissues at hand that then impact what later, you know, you're doing say sun citations, which in the yoga lens are actually the warm-up. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting is that in yoga land, we often treat the warm-up as still like just this broader thing, kind of like going for a jog. I'm just yeah. gonna start jogging, right? As opposed to the pull things apart and then put things back together. So I think that sometimes in a, in a standard yoga class, it can be tough because, you know, the whole first 20 minutes of class, we're just trying to warm up, but it's all through full body stuff. like very 
global type of efforts. And because there's not as much targeted work, like say mobility direction in that moment, people may not actually be warming up the tissues they need for their body to warm exactly. up. Right? You can be doing sun salutations and feel literal warmth and heat and tapas, and you could be doing them and it's all shoulder spine dominant. And because maybe your hips actually need more attention, they're like, we're not ready to do this yet. So we're going to do the bare minimum on this yeah. group project. And by exactly. the time we get to the end of these sunnays, we're like, yes, A plus, we're warm. <laughs> we progress into something that's hip dominant and we have this false positive thinking I'm warm, but like, the rest of you, the bigger system might be, but we haven't actually perhaps addressed the thing that really needed attention. So instead of using like the global warm-up and assuming it's gonna do the thing, oftentimes we actually need much more specific, personalized pre-warm-up warm-up. <laughs> you know what I mean? To dig into that stuff. So I think this class does a good job of deconstructing that a bit. You know, if you've ever been 20 minutes into a class and wondered why you just don't quite feel ready yet. You know, like Warrior 2, the Warrior series, that stuff is complex. 100%. It's big. Yeah. Just doing a flowing Warrior series, that's not really a warm-up. For a lot of people, that's like the big work. And oh, com so oh, completely. And, and if you don't have the natural depth or physical awareness to move into those spaces, and that's not saying you don't have a great practice or an experienced practice. Again, we all have our own things. Mm -hmm. And your body just mean, may need more attention in one area or another to properly take on certain poses and certain transitions. And that's nothing wrong with you. That's just the actuality or the reality of you. And so beginning to own that space really changes the lens and the language of how you move and operate through, through the practice. Yeah, if you take this class and by the time you get to the Warrior Series mm -hmm. stuff and you think, wow, this is like the most active or aware or like depth or stability or whatever, I way more than I usually feel in a warrior two, that's a great clue that maybe this type of mobility-based warm-up would be really helpful before practices yeah. for you or integrated into your practices. It gives you clues and a peek into something that's a little bit more compartmentalized, knowing that eventually you're going to need to build it back up rather than just treating it, it as if like one thing is going to do all the things equally because it's not because your body's going to prioritize how to accomplish the task especially in a group it, class and in the ways that you can accomplish yeah the it's going to be like how yeah. can patrick do this let's do it that way done <laughs> yeah i mean I, I talked about this briefly in uh the first podcast if you haven't checked it out yet but when i was talking about like how my hips and low back need a little bit more attention and mm -hmm. that comes from my initial foray into yoga when i was doing uh, handstands and sun salutations all the time, right? With very limited folding flexibility. And so what, or backline of body range of motion or, you know, range of motion to the hamstrings. And so what was moving was my lower back, right? A lot of spinal flexion was required to do those controlled lowers and to do those toe taps. And so to give yourself the opportunity to properly warm up helps you change where you work from even subtly and then that moves the intentionality of the practice dramatically over time. What'd you have for us in class number four? Class four this month, uh, we're gonna do quite a bit of neural flossing and- For people that don't know what the heck you just I know. said. I said it very slow, like with a question mark yeah. at the end. Like, how do well, we feel about this? It yeah. already exists, so. <laughs> what is neural flossing? Why is it important? What is something about that that people can connect with maybe on a small scale and a big scale? Yeah, so in the same way that in the first class I said, you know, we're gonna maybe do a portion of mobility that you might not associate right away with like 
mobility, capital mm-hmm. M. And this is very purposeful this week because I want you all to get into this place where you can feel some of the benefits of mobility work more immediately. Like yeah. I want you to go through a practice like this and same with the balance one where you're having fun and you're experiencing, you're experiencing balance and lack of balance within the container of class. And neural flossing is this same, like not the big tissue stuff you might be used to when we're talking about muscles and tendons and maybe even fascia and things like that as we kind of get onto like maybe the fringe levels of your interest in anatomical <laughs> details. But if you think about your body, it's this miraculous wild spider web of nerves. And the most common that people usually know about is the sciatic nerve. Usually they learn about it not from a happy place, but from a pain-based place, right? Because <laughs> not, not laughing at your misery. No, just, laughing just a, because that's common knowledge. if there's anything yeah. good at getting your attention, it's pain, mm-hmm. right? And sciatica is that like shooting kind of lightning bolt pain from your low back on one side or the other, usually down through the glute, maybe even down into the leg. That's an example of the sciatic nerve, which is the biggest nerve you have, right? And your nerves are delivering information and feedback all the way from your spinal column to your brain. So it's this part of the system that sometimes we think so much in terms of like contract and, you know, the balance of what's this muscle doing and what's this muscle lengthening and how can we lay down more muscle fibers and all of this jazz. And this is not me devaluing that, that's important, but it's part of the picture, just like everything else. Our body works in systems and we have many different systems working concurrently. So nerve flossing is this idea that those tissues in the same way as anything else need to be stretched and stressed and approached with um, a different style than say our usual like passive stretch, things like that. So nerve flossing is usually gonna be this kind of repetitive, almost in the yoga world, you might think of it like a Kriya, Mm -hmm. where we're moving through something that usually it's only a couple shapes and we're gonna move and try to take those nerves to a very lengthened state. And then in non, like in layman's terms, put some slack in it, right? So we're gonna pull it tight and put some slack. Pull it tight and put some slack. Because your nerves run through so many parts of your body and they come out from the vertebral column and there are a lot of places that again, just for our purposes here, we might get a kink in the system, right? We might run into a roadblock. We might need a little bit of a spaciousness, a little bit more to kind of tease it out, right? So that's the idea with nerve flossing. And what I find really fantastic about nerve flossing is it is uh, simple. You can often with many of these, in this class, we're approaching it from more full body, like kind of fun, little bit of flow perspective. But a lot of this stuff you can do like at your desk, you can do it at home. You could add this into your day and it is going to provide oftentimes, especially somewhere where you are again, like, you know, stuck or takes a lot of the brunt of the work in your everyday life, maybe doesn't get enough blood flow, enough movement, and it can open things up like right away. So when we do nerve flossing, when we're working through the radial nerve, when we're working through wrist mobility, you can do wrist cars all day long. You can do wrist pails and rails and things. But if you add in nerve flossing through there, you might actually find that like some of that other stuff, you don't need as much because now you've opened up the nervous system in that way. Same goes for sciatica. If we're dealing with that very long, very overwhelmed nerve system, we can actually provide relief sometimes, like I don't, I don't make promises and I, I, I don't diagnose, but we can provide sometimes pretty immediate relief with really, really simple practices. And that's my goal with this, is that your mobility might unlock not because your hamstrings are short, 
right? Some of that stuff, it's going to be a series of every system working together, building upon each other. So if we can figure out and create some space, nerves, we can do it in the brain, we can do it even with like, you know, blood flow and the lymphatic system, all that's going to work together so that your movement and mobility overall opens up to a whole new world. Because it's not always just big muscles that matter. And there's more to the picture. So I think nerve flossing is really fascinating because it's like, it's so simple. It's so simple. It's weird. You're going to look weird in this class. We're going to do weird stuff, right? We're going to be doing weird things. And I literally, we're going to be doing, I was nerve flossing the other day at home doing stuff for the radial nerve. And in part of it, you're doing this. Do you remember this from like elementary school? And if you're listening, I'm doing the thing where you kind of make a mask. Kind of make a mask, like almost owl eyes. You take yeah. your uh, pointer finger and your thumb, make a circle, and then the other three fingers, like an A-OK, and then you flip it upside down and make yourself goggles. But literally, in some of the nerve flossing, we're going to actually move through those ranges of motion and come back around. So you're going to look a little silly. Uh, and that's going to be okay because this stuff is pretty powerful and you're going to be okay with looking silly when you most likely feel better right away. You know, I think there's always certain things we can do to, to feel better. You get the right. <laughs> and, and kind of enjoy enjoy the benefits of our own goofiness. I mean, what is... Harvey the... looked at me like, what? she was talking to me and yeah. she just kept talking but kind of looked at me with a side eye and then she's like, what are you doing, mama? <laughs> Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that child's exposure to um, <laughs> oddball goof, stuff, oddball <laughs> stuff, and goofy methods of movement is uh, is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nature of her. And she's either gonna love it or she's gonna hate it when she's older. <laughs> she's either gonna think we're so cool or be so embarrassed of us. <laughs> but hey, she'll know a lot of these things. So s- s- subtle wins mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah, flossy, glossy nerves <laughs> going through all this. All right, Joe. Uh, let us know how this stuff lands for you, as always. Uh, and if you, again, if you haven't checked out the platform, feel free to join us this month. And obviously, continues to have a new theme every single month. Um, not this upcoming week in the podcast, but the following week, we will be answering questions. So in this is podcast two. In podcast four, we're going to answer questions related to mobility, your journey through the month so far. So please feel free to start submitting those now mm-hmm. so we can um, obviously field them and have a good little rapport for a nice podcast for all the And the best place for those is either the comments on the classes, like literally if there's mm-hmm. something that comes up during the class, all of that yeah. comments on the community board, on the posts, you know, all the conversation that we have stoked in there. And then of course you can send us an email if you yeah. want to send us an email at hi at communyoga.com because we really want to make sure that as we go through this you're going through your own journey we're telling you a lot about ours but we want to make sure that we are here to support those questions that come up so that when you do the weird stuff with us you're like why do we do this weird stuff and we can tell you all about it yeah game on y'all we'll catch you very soon have an amazing rest of your day